So I want to talk to you about the Andor show. Right. This Star War. And we, we went through our, in a previous episode, you know, there are many Star Wars. This is a Star War. Right, okay. Um, in our previous episode, we went through all the D23 reactions and we mentioned Andor. And I think you said, Andor what? Yeah. And you were like, well, why should I care? This is a character that appeared in Rogue One uh, six, six, seven years ago. And um, we feel, I think the general sentiment from us is that we feel like any character that turns up in any series now could potentially get their whole entire show, yeah. whether or not we were interested in them or not. And uh, just in case you don't remember, Cassian Andor is a character in Rogue One. Um, and, and spoilers for Rogue One is that he dies at the end of Rogue One, like all the main characters yeah. do. And um, this is a prequel series set five years before the events of Rogue One. So that's sort of our okay. time setting about who, and sort of flashback sequences about yeah. who Cassian Andor is, right. what he's doing, and sort of building to this kind of momentum of like what's going on. And Disney Plus released the show with three episodes, which I thought was kind of strange. So I was like, huh, three episodes, and then you're going to do weekly? Uh, how many episodes in the season do we know? I don't eight, know. Eight, ten? I th something like eight, in that eight to ten uh, realm. And when I saw that, I was a bit like, huh, that's a bit strange, because, like, why do three? And they yeah. did it, they did, uh, Kenobi, they did two. Yeah. And I watched episode one and two together, and they, they, I enjoyed them, but they, the ends of the episodes never felt like that was one event and one thing in an episode. They really felt like they hard stopped. Right. And then the next day I saw, or last night I watched episode three, and I felt like, oh, I see why you did three. This felt like the ending of those three episodes right. as one piece, so I see why you did it. Like um, the first act of the series. Like the first maybe. act, like introducing sure. what it was. Um, this is uh, written and produced by Tony Gilroy, right. who did the screenplay for Rogue One and a few other Star Wars projects, but he also wrote The Bourne trilogy yes. and also if i may say yeah. i believe wasn't he brought in i had a feeling i might have to check this one of the gilroys he's got a brother as well i think so yeah one of the gilroys it probably was tony gilroy i think was brought in to do the reshoots of rogue one and i'm pretty sure it was him was it him that said that film was like in a mess yeah so, okay fine. anyway carry on You've also got Jonathan Freeman and Adriano Goldman, who are Emmy Award-winning cinematographers who worked on Boardwalk Empire and The Crown. Right, nice. Very good credentials. Very and then you've got Nicholas Bratel doing the score, great who succession. did Succession. So you've got quite a good... Roster. Many great ingredients yeah. for a very good show. And as I said, like the first episode, two episodes I watched, I was like, okay, I can't... Not much has happened. It's a lot of um, conversations. I can't really tell what it's doing. And it was when I finished the third episode, I was like, ah... I see what this is doing. Right now, after those three episodes, Andor has me quite excited, and I think it's got a lot of potential. It immediately, from the get-go, tries to communicate to the audience that this is doing, this is different. This is like a premium product. This is like not in any way um, related to like the super space operatic force and magic and space wizards and the Sith and the chosen yeah. one. It really decides that's like, this is more grown up, this is more grounded. And I think if you were, if on one side you've got Attack of the Clones and on the other side you've got Blade Runner 2049, right. this feels way much closer to a Blade Runner 2049 right. okay. than it does to Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Like just, just in tone, it's presentation. And the opening scene is... Cassian Andor in a rainy neon scorched town with a black hood and big brown jacket and boots walking through a like dirty underground. I'm like, that's you're just that's Blade Runner. Like yeah. you're already telling me like yeah, this yeah. is the kind of sci-fi um, we're in, and 
it's, it, there's not much that happens in the early episodes, but what I liked about the way in which it concluded episode three is it gave me, it really showed me that like the people who are working on this show feel more like they have been in charge of creating this than like the overall Star Wars machine. Because when I watched um, Kenobi, which I think we were a little bit mixed about, yeah. and I think it was slightly, uh, it really did feel like it was clinging on to like the old Star Wars format yeah. and trying to give it to just new, new modern lens. This really felt like, let's give a really great crime espionage thriller to these amazing TV veterans and also have it set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, yeah. I think there are certain um, elongated flashback sequences where Cassian is a child where I was a bit like, this isn't that interesting. And in the end of the three episodes, I don't feel like all those long flashback sequences really served your plot. And it's a very slow burn. So I think I'll criticize it for in three episodes, like taking your time with some like child sequences that probably didn't need to be there. But the way in which it eventually mirrored a moment that happened in the past with the end of episode three and the way in which music was like beautifully crafted, kind of like the end of an episode of Succession, right. to match these two people, to give you a really good sense of who, who this character was. It was at the end of episode three, I was like, ah, okay. this is kind of cool, okay. kind of interesting. And what I said about how it feeling much more grounded and there is no like dark cloaked Sith with electricity coming yeah. out of his hands. Uh, the villain, um, is a completely opposite to what we're used to in Star Wars. So it is a guy called Deputy Inspector Khan, played by Kyle Soller, who is like this middle manager who's essentially been delegated the role of tracking down Cassian Andor by his boss who's away, which is really sort of like an unremarkable person. Yeah. But what's interesting about him is that he is this like slimy, kind of like skinny looking, non-event uh, middle manager who almost he's more threatening because he needs to prove that he has authority and needs to use oh, like right. manipulation and power to justify his authority and actually makes for a more interesting dynamic between Andor, who's kind of an un unremarkable guy on the street and this guy who's just like been delegated this task to take him out and already by the end of episode three it sort of became mm. personal between them mm. and it just it just feels different and it's telling you it's oh, different and um, i'm always kind of like rooting for star wars in a way even though we're a little bit cynical from this my expectations were like i'm gonna watch this for the show and hopefully i enjoy it but if i don't i'm not gonna stick around yeah. i'm actually quite like looking forward to seeing what it does next yes i'm optimistic the talent involved you've also got stellan skarsgård in there who's right. great in everything and fiona shaw who's also good yeah. i think I'll, you should i think you should watch it okay i think i'll give it a go i mean yeah. what, what you just touched on is that it seems to be following the the rogue one did now which is that when they made rogue one they said they basically wanted to make a film a bit like the damn busters like this old like old 1940s war film where the, the mission is at the end and it's all about the mission and it's yes. like everyone a big, big climax <laughs> and you could even argue something like Top Gun Maverick even does that as well. yeah, it's like sure. this big like we're all in it together, okay, together to and, and the kind of the, the fatalism at the end of Rogue One is one of the best parts of that because yeah. it's like it was the mission above everything else yes. um, so I like the fact they've kind of carried that DNA through and been like why don't we take uh, a genre yeah, and then retroactively put that in. Really does feel like that. The Star, in, Star in, in Wars the best. Mod. I'm fine with that. I think also, um, no, there is no also. I think I think I will. I think I'll try and um, sandwich it between House of Dragon and whenever yeah, <laughs> everything else is coming out. There's We're, so much suddenly, James. It's like it's, it's like, everything. It's like cinema and TV has the school holidays. Yes, and like September came was away, and September away is like everything's back now. Back to school. Go. There's loads of films out. Loads of TV out. What I do find weird is that after three episodes. I don't really have a good sense to tell you exactly what it's about. 
Uh, and I don't mean that as a criticism. Rebellion, I right? mean that they, they, it feels like, as you said, it's like what they created one part and they broke it up into three. Because if they had only put one or two out, yeah. I would be sitting here, say, I either wouldn't have much to say or it just would have felt like it's too soon to have an indication of what this is about. Mm. And that's fine. I almost don't mind if they do these like little little chunks, yeah. but I think they needed an hour and a half, probably. No, it's, I think they're 40 minute episodes. So it needed that amount of time to tell me what's cool and what's different about this. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say like this is the best thing ever. Oh my God, and all so good because yeah. I really think all of this remains to be seen for how it ends. But I saw little glimpses of something that could be quite special. So okay. it's got like a early thumbs up from me. Okay. I like Andor. Yeah. So I, George, I asked you uh, just before, when was the last time you saw a rom-com in cinemas? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like they usually push to me on streaming now. Yeah. And the names and the celebrities that are involved have gotten like lower down the list. Yeah. If they've entered the B list category, even touching C list. But this is what you're about to tell me. I, I, I was scratching my head. I was like, I don't. It felt weird to like settle into a dark room with loads of other people to watch a film that wasn't. I don't know, like action, yeah, prestigious, like multiverse. Yeah, like a Nolan. It just, it yeah. just something about it felt strange. Ticket to Paradise is the new rom-com, very brightly lit, okay. colourful, beautifully it. shot, starring everyone's favourite actors, George Clooney mm. and Julia Roberts. So much charm, I can feel who it. Who play uh, an, uh, four, four, they're, they're divorced parents to their child, who, and, and you know, they, they, they were together for about three, four years and they got married far too early, much to their parents' disapproval. And they ended up having a kid and they got separately, they divorced. They had this horrible divorce after five years. And both of them are really cynical about marriage and love. They yeah. believe that, you know, it's not real. You should never really try to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> never try to fall in love. And their daughter is just, their daughter, <laughs> that's the thing I'm going to say. Well, their daughter has just uh, graduated from law school and she's going on a traveling to Bali for a few months. And what happens? The daughter goes to a to Bali and she falls in love. And after two months, gets engaged to a local seaweed farmer in Bali. As you do. And both the parents get the email that she's been engaged and they go into crisis mode and they obviously have to fly to Bali and because she's getting married. So right. got, they're like, okay, we need to convince her to not get no. married because no. we know relationships aren't real. They're fake. They're yeah. false. Yeah. They're the true reality of love. Uh, and there's this comedy of them hating each other, but they have to come back together to like try and sabotage their daughter's yeah. wedding. And of course, we all know what's going to happen yeah. is that they'll realize that love well, Maybe is, it wasn't that bad actually after maybe all. Maybe it wasn't that bad. And actually we're in Bali and it's and actually sunny. actually we're in Bali. And look, the film's not good. Right. But <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's a bad film and it's, uh, it's averagely funny. But I just had a really nice time oh, going yeah. to see it. it. I can't, I can't smell it. Oh, take it to paradise! It's so good. I don't think, I don't think it's the best rom com I've ever seen. Although I, I wish I could sit to you and be like, "This is why we should do more." Yeah. They're so great. Get them out there. It's, it's not that film, but I'm so glad it exists. Yeah. And I'm so glad I went to see it. Lovely. What a great thing. Yeah, nice thing. It's to say colorful. About it. Everyone's beautiful. It's not shot in Bali. It's shot in Australia. But like the Bali they present is like. It's just nice to look at pretty things with pretty people in it. It, it sounds like a film that you can put your feet into a nice like bowl of warm water. Yeah. You know, like or like, you know, dip your feet in the in the in the 
in the warm water it's, of Bali. It's, it's a lasagna. It's, com- it's comfort food. It Did I need to see it in cinema? Nope. No. Could have got just as much enjoyment on the TV. Well, don't react, but when you first... I mean, I, I think I'm wrong, but when you first started to describe it, I was like, is the daughter even getting married or has it just been all been a ruse to get them to buy? No, no, she gets, she, she's getting married. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, But, like, some plot things are really strange. Like, there's this moment where, like, this is comedy moment where they, they go to this other part of the island for the day and they're meant to tie up their boat, but they accidentally tie it to a log and the boat drifts off. So they're stuck on the other side of Bali and they're like, what are we going to do? And the guy's like, well, it's too long to walk back. And they go, okay, we'll just create a fire and hunt for some food and stay here the night. And I'm like, what? You're all just going to accept that you're going to stay the night in the wilderness, in the jungle. And part of the like comedic uh, background for the parents that they're like uh, city urbanites with yeah. their designer clothes and their m- mobile phones. And they're like, they're not used to all this nature. But everyone's just like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Which just completely blew my mind. So the like, movie can happen. If someone said to you like, oh, we can't get back. We're going to spend the night in the jungle. Like you would react. Yeah. You'd, there would be so much room for comedy there, but there isn't. Um, I don't know what to say. It, if you want to go see it, do it. But if you can't be asked, don't, don't but go. But thank the Lord it exists. I love that it exists. And, and yeah, um, George Clooney and George Clooney and Julia Roberts have enough charm to well, carry you say, the charm, anything. The charm is still there, right? The charm is still there. Okay, it's just good. not that. It's not that funny. It's not that romantic. But it's fine. It's fine, and you know what happens in the end. And yeah. that, that kind of that that I can't wait that... to watch that on a plane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great plane movie. Yeah. Amazing plane movie. Um, so that's that. Ticket to Paradise.